Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to Solana Valley Church. Let's stand together. And everyone tuning in online, good morning to you as well. We have some good news to share today. Our God is mighty to save. He is awesome. He is holy. He is amazing. Let's worship him together right now. All right, let's sing. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. We sing Savior. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures Fill my life again I give my life to follow Everything I believe in Now I surrender We sing Savior now Savior can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Oh, we conquered grave. And so we shine our light, church. Shine your light and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. We sing Savior. Savior, He can move the mountains. Our God. Our God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Oh, forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. One more time now. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Oh, forever, author of salvation. He 
rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Oh, Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. And that's why we sing, He deserves it, right? He deserves the praise and the glory. in the dark the song that lights up the stars one breath that gives life one sovereign in power who speaks with thunder and fire he's one Lord one King there is there is no other that can compare to you. You are the one alone in brightness. The one who never changes. Jesus, you are the one who rose in power. The one Jesus, you're the one true God. One man on a cross, one light of the world, one name, one word, one way to be saved, one lamb, one Lamb that was slain, one love above all. There is, there is no other that can compare to you. You are the one alone in greatness, the one who never changes. Jesus. You are the one who rose in power, the one who reigns forever. Jesus, you're the one true God. And we have seen the glory of the one and only Son of God. Yes, we have seen the glory of the one and only Son of God. Oh, we have seen the glory of the one and only Son of God. Yes, we have. Yes, we have seen the glory of the one and only Son of God. 
Good morning. Um, this morning, we have the privilege of celebrating communion together as a church family. And communion is it's observing and taking the Lord's Supper. And in this observance, we take bread and juice, just like Jesus did with his disciples the night before he went to the cross. And the bread and the juice are symbols of his body and his blood that were given for us. Communion is is very special. And as I was reflecting on communion this week, there's a word that came to my mind, and that word was pause. Pause. There's a word placed in Scripture in Psalm chapter 3 and also in the book of Habakkuk, and the word is Selah. Selah has several meanings, but in the context um, in this passage, it's defined as pause in his presence. I want you to think about that pause in his presence in psalm 3 david came into a time of prayer and worship burdened with the pain of what he was facing but by the end of the time he was different he was different he went into the presence of his heavenly father in one condition but he came out in a very different condition david poured out his heart in agony and then he paused in his presence And in that pause, he waited for God to meet him, to speak to him, and to guide him. This morning, when we come to the communion table, I would like us to pause in his presence. No matter what we're facing in life, the difficulties, the traumas, the hardships, the busyness, the distractions, we need to pause in the presence of our Lord and pour out our hearts to him. Then, remember and reflect on what Jesus did for us. 
Communion is a time to get our eyes off of ourselves and look to God again and be reminded of God's great love. And be reminded of this. We were an, we were an enemy of God, but through Jesus, we have been adopted into his family. We stood condemned in our sin, but now through Jesus, we have been fre- set free to serve God. We were dead in our sin, but now through Jesus, we have been made alive. We were lost, but now through Jesus, we are citizens of God's heavenly kingdom. This, this is the goodness of God. As we place our focus on God, everything else goes out of focus. So right now, we're going to take communion. But before we do that, I would like us to take time to pause in his presence for a short while. And then I'm going to ask you to come forward, this side to my right and this side to my left, to gather the elements. And once you have the elements and are are seated, we'll take communion together. But right now, at this moment, let's just take a Selah. Let's just pause in God's presence. There's something really special about unrushed time in the presence of God where we can come in with all this stuff going on inside and take it to the cross and leave it and allow Jesus to be our whole focus and our everything and then leave differently. It's a beautiful thing, and may we practice Selah often. Right now, I'd like to lead us in a special prayer to help prepare our hearts to take communion together. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us if there's anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion or forgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you because Lord our desire is to live for you Selah 
Right now, I'm going to ask you to come forward and to um, get the elements, and then we'll take communion together. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Because of his blood shed for us and his body given for us, we can be free from the power and the penalty of sin. Thank you for his victory over death. He took the death that we deserved. He took our punishment. And today we pause And we look to you, for you are where our help comes from. And we glorify your name, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Carolyn, thank you very much. Well, Elsa and I have one more song we'd like to lead you in. But before we do that, take a moment to greet the folks around you. We'll continue with our worship in just a second here.
All right, folks, let's make our way back to our seats here. All right, sing with us now. God, I look to you. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. See things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Once again, church, God, I look to you. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. Give me vision. Things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. Because you know, you know just what to do. I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. Yes, I will. I will love you, Lord, my rock, forever, all my days. I will love you, God. God, I look to you. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. Give me vision. See things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. Yes, I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever, all my days, I will love you, God. Once again, I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, our God reigns forever all my days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Oh, hallelujah. Forever all my days, hallelujah, Sing it one more time, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Forever all night. Hallelujah. God, I look. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Let's pray, church. Lord, we thank you for being the source of all wisdom. Thank you. Our help comes from you. We praise you for that. We praise you for your faithfulness and for your presence. And that we can run to you at any time. We can boldly approach your throne of grace to find mercy and help in our time of need. Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, for how he guides and comforts and instructs and illuminates and convicts. We look to you at all times. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, go ahead and have a seat. And just before Pastor Gary comes up to continue his series on the Holy Spirit, I have a couple of things that I'd like to make you aware of. Um, Here at SVC, we believe that the measure of a disciple of Jesus is that they're growing in their love for God and for others. And it's vital to have that consistent interaction and connection with one another. And one of the ways that you can do this is by joining a small group. We have a few that are currently meeting, and there's always room for one more person to join. And we have a philosophy of the open chair. So we would love you to fill that if you're not connected somewhere. Um, So for more info on these groups, you can tap our groups on the SVC app, or you can visit www.salonovalley.org forward slash connect. We'd also like to invite you to join us next Sunday evening right here at 6.30 p.m. for Revival Prayer. We will worship God together through music and then humbly pray for revival in our church our homes, our community, and the world. And we'd be honored to have you partner in prayer with us for that.
And then right now we are going to worship God with our offering. In Proverbs 3 verse 9, it tells us, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. And yes, you know, to honor someone means to show great respect or high esteem towards them. Honoring God helps us lift our eyes off of ourselves and set them on him and give him center stage in our lives. There are several different ways that you can worship by giving, and you can find them on our website again, solanovalley.org forward slash giving, and also by tapping the give button on our SBC app. And I'm going to turn it over to Gary. Uh, Elsa, I appreciate that. And uh, I'm going to do something different today. Uh, I'm actually going to put a timer on my phone. Matt and I, we meet. Well, Noreen, you're laughing at me. Everybody else is too. Uh, you know, okay. So we sit down for, we, we do this every Wednesday. We talk, we have a, a worship meeting, Matt and I do. And Matt looked at me and he said, Gary, last week's message, you went 52 minutes. <laughs> That's all he said. He said, you went 52 minutes. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to use a timer this week. We'll see what happens. Maybe I can get it to 53. All right. So, uh, that's not what we're, okay. So, uh, what I'm going to do right now, uh, actually, if it goes long today, it's going to be your fault. All right. So, uh, what I want to do, I want to do something I used to do a lot, haven't done it for a while. Uh, if you're with us on either YouTube or Facebook, we're grateful that you're with us today. I want you to do this as well. But what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to, to gather in groups of two or three or four or whatever, you know, just turn. You don't have to, you know, change chairs or anything like that. But what I want you to do is I want you to answer this question. And uh, if you're at home watching this from YouTube or Facebook, whoever's with you, discuss it with them, text someone, whatever, I don't know. But, uh, you know, have a conversation with yourself, all right? So, uh, but what I want you to do, I want you to answer this question uh, with someone else, uh, is if you could go back... Uh, if you could go back in time to any event in history, all right, this is great. I saw far side calendar on this uh, this last week. It was great. It was funny. Uh, if you could go back in time to any event in history, where would you go? Okay? If you could go back in time in history to any event, where would you go? So begin talking among yourself. <laughs> All right, all right, awesome, awesome. 
I, I see some smiling faces. I hear some laughs. Um, so I want to hear from you guys, uh, if I can, please. I'd like to hear from you, uh, a few people. Uh, what If you could go back to any event in history, what would you go back to? Elijah being taken up. Okay, that's awesome. Noreen? Uh, JFK's inauguration. Judy? Awesome. Wow, that's really cool. That's super cool. Kathy, did you have your hand up? Oh, okay. Uh, so Judy said she would love to go back to 1900 and see and, and greet her grandparents when they came to the United States on the Ellis Island. So actually, I should probably repeat that for you guys as well on Facebook, YouTube. So I think Terry said she'd love to go back and see Elijah go up into heaven. Noreen, what did you say again? Oh, oh, J- JFK's inauguration. All right. Of course, you would choose a Democrat. So, <laughs> I'm, okay. No more political comments. I apologize. Yeah. All right. All right. Basto did. Kathy. Elsa. Elsa. Okay, this is awesome. I also would like to go back and see the dinosaurs. So the far side calendar uh, I saw this week, it was this woman, and uh, and it says, you know, so-and-so's maid accidentally thought his time machine was a dryer, and you see her, like, with all these dinosaurs around her. So, okay, awesome. Anybody else? Kathy? Uh, well, I like Roger. She said, she said Woodstock, and she said Woodstock. Ah, 1970? 69, you were there. She was there. Noreen was at Woodstock. So, awesome, fantastic. Okay, okay. Yeah, Rhonda would like to go back to Woodstock. That's awesome. Charles? Oh, okay. Stop the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. That's awesome. And uh, Kathy? Okay, love to be there for Resurrection Day. Awesome, fantastic. That is the perfect, perfect QN for me, okay? So, Joy, what did you, oh, is that what you said as well? Okay, awesome. So, so there's a book uh, I've been reading as I've been preparing these messages, and usually I'm reading through like three or four commentaries. As, and, and here's the thing is, I never study commentaries, never study commentaries. I study the Bible, okay? I want to see what God's Word says. But I also listen to what other people, the insights that they have gleaned. Because I find that sometimes they'll see something a little bit differently, and it really helps me. So one of the commentaries I've been reading is an exposition on the book of Acts. It's really good. And uh, in, in it, Albert Moeller talked about uh, that he believed the three most important events in human history are these three. Number one, creation. Now, let's face it, that's a pretty important event. I mean, there would be nothing if there were not creation, okay? Number two, he collapsed both, both the crucifixion and resurrection into a single event. But he, you know, this, the crucifixion, the resurrection. Now, I would add to that, I would say the incarnation, the birth of Jesus. Because he was, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, making him fully God, fully man, perfect without sin. Okay, and uh, without the incarnation, uh, Jesus being fully God, fully man, uh, we could not have atonement for our sin through Jesus and his crucifixion and resurrection. So uh, not that I'm smarter than Albert Moeller, but 
in that one thing I am. So anyway, uh, and then the, the third event that he spoke of was Pentecost. Pentecost. And, um, and I think he is spot on. I do. I believe in this. He is spot on. And we're going to talk about why Pentecost is so important today. Remember that the book of Acts, and that's what we're going through right now, is we're working our way through the book of Acts, was written by Luke. Luke was a Gentile. He was a doctor. He was a protege of the Apostle Paul. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, which talks about the beginning of all that Jesus did. And he wrote uh, the Gospel, uh, or excuse me, not the Gospel, but the book of Acts, which is the continuation of all uh, that Jesus did through the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, through the apostles, through the church. Uh, it's really fascinating um, is that the, the introductions of both Luke and Acts are very, very similar. And another thing that's quite similar uh, and interesting about both uh, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts is that in Luke chapter 2, we read about the birth of Jesus. Okay? And then almost the exact placement in Acts chapter 2, we read about the birth of the church. You see, what happens on this day, the day of Pentecost, it is a moment, I'm going to call it a watershed moment. And I'll explain what I mean by that in just a minute. So if you have your Bible, open up to Acts chapter 2. Uh, Acts chapter 2, and uh, we're going to read through, I'm going to read for you from the NIV Bible, uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Uh, before I read that, let's just pray real quick, okay? Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your death on the cross for us, your resurrection. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful for your involvement in our lives, in our, our salvation, uh, but also in how uh, you came at Pentecost and how you continue to work uh, in your people today. Uh, I, I pray that today, God, that you would help us, uh, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand. Help us to humbly receive the word implanted that is able to save our souls. Uh, help us to rightly understand your word. And God, help us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Lord, we pray that your word would shape our hearts, our minds, our attitudes, our priorities, uh, our pursuits in life. And so we pray this in, in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, says this. When the day of Pentecost came, pause, Pentecost, Pentecost means 50, 50. Right. Pentecost. Uh, 50, 50 days, 50 days from Passover. To Pentecost, it's 50 days later. It was one of the three most important festivals for Israel ever, every year. In fact, it was attended by more people than Passover was. Uh, because of the time of the year, usually it happened first of June, right around early June, which was the easiest time of year to travel. Yeah, it on, on the day of Pentecost, um, it was a time of in the Old Testament, it was referred to as the Feast of Weeks. Uh, and and uh, and it was um, it, it was a day when the city of Jerusalem would be like just bursting with people from all over the ancient world, because what would happen is throughout the Roman Empire, wherever you had a city that had a Jewish community, you would have many, many Jews who would travel back to Jerusalem to celebrate, uh, uh, to celebrate uh, Pentecost 
or the Feast of Weeks. And then throughout the Parthian Empire, anybody ever hear of the Parthian Empire? Okay, Noreen has. Okay, so just understand that the Roman Empire was pretty huge and pretty important, but at that time there was another huge empire, the Parthian Empire, that was more like to the east. Uh, it included what would be considered Babylonia, Persia, uh, the area of the Medes, Elamites, all of those kinds of people. So on the day of Pentecost, you, wherever you had a Jewish community in a city outside of Israel, they would all gather and come to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. So this is the day. And understand, this is 50 days after, 50 days after uh, the, the, uh, after Passover, after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay? Do you remember what happened the day before Jesus was crucified? Just, just before Passover, Jesus is betrayed, he is, he is arrested, he is abandoned by his friends, and he's denied by Peter three times. But on this day, Peter, Peter, who denied Jesus, will stand up, proclaim the gospel, and 3,000 people will be saved. Today we're going to see the difference that Pentecost makes in the life of an individual today and next week. We're going to see the difference that Pentecost has in the life of an individual. And, and we're, going to, we're going to begin to understand what the difference was. See, this was a watershed moment in the life of Peter. It is a watershed moment in, in history, uh, and it is a watershed moment in God's salvation history. And, and hopefully I'll make all this clear as we go through it. Okay. Um, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they, remember the 120 people who had been gathered, and they were praying, and they were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They, this 120 people, they were gathered together in one place, suddenly a sound like a blowing, violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So they're in this, this house, they're gathered, and suddenly there's the sound of a violent wind blowing. Hmm. They saw, in verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated, so they see this fire, and then it separates, and it came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Real, real quick, uh, the word tongue, uh, uh, the glossa is the Greek word. Uh, glossa has more than one meaning in Greek, okay? By the way, the word pneuma, uh, the word pneuma in, in Greek uh, that we see here, uh, sometimes it means spirit, sometimes it means wind, which is very interesting, because what do you hear? This violent blowing wind. Uh, but, 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 Numa can mean either, uh, it can mean wind, it can mean spirit, or it can mean breath. By the way, the, the Hebrew word ruach has the exact same field of meaning in Hebrew. It can mean spirit, it can mean breath, and it can mean wind. And uh, very, very fascinating. So here, when they're speaking in tongues, they are speaking in other languages. This becomes very clear as we work through the text. So all of them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 5. 
Now, they were staying in Jerusalem. Remember, we talked about this. They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. There's a lot of people gathered in Jerusalem. And they're from everywhere. Okay? They're from everywhere. Verse 6, when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one of them heard their own language, tongue, glossa, being spoken. The scripture says, utterly amazed they asked, aren't all these Galileans? Aren't all these Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native tongue, our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, uh, the parts of Syrian near Syrian, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues or languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. Yeah. Too much wine helps you speak another language. I wish I knew this in seventh grade Spanish. I, might have, I may have made a C in the class. Who knows, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, what, 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 what the, the, the disciples had been waiting for They'd been waiting for the Holy Spirit. That, that, that what, what Jesus had told them, I've got to make room for all this. This needs to go away because it's already showing that's supposed to be halfway done. Um, you know, the people, the people of God, the, the people who were gathered, the 120 in the upper room in this home who were gathered there, they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. And in, in chapter 1, in Acts chapter 1, and verse 5, Jesus had said to them, He said, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you, had, uh, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. You hear that? John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And back in, where was it? Uh, I've got it down here somewhere. Yeah, back in... Well, I guess I don't have it here. I think it's in Matthew, yeah, Matthew 3.11. Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist said, I baptize with water. This is at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. John the Baptist said this. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay? So John the Baptist had told them a time was coming. When one would come, the Messiah, who would baptize them with the Holy Spirit and fire. And Jesus had told them to wait for what his father had uh, promised. That not many days from now, you will... Not many days... You know what not many days means? It means just in a, a few days, all right? So Jesus would have said this approximately a week before Pentecost. When you run through do the timeline... Uh, of the time that Jesus was uh, with his disciples before he ascended to heaven uh, and before the coming of Pentecost. So roughly a week before that, Jesus had said, hey, wait. Uh, he said that uh, John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and in fact, this, this, this talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit goes all the way back to the Old Testament. 
Okay, 500 years before all this happened, at least 500 years before this happened, the prophet Joel had said this. He said, uh, and afterward, in the latter days, I will pour out on, I will pour out my spirit. So the prophet Joel had said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. There is a day coming when I'm going to pour out my spirit. It's a special day. I will pour out my spirit on all people. That's a significant statement. Why? Because as you read through the Old Testament, whenever someone, the Holy Spirit came upon a person, he came upon a single individual. Like the Spirit of God would come upon Samson, and he'd go out and kill a bunch of Philistines. Or the Spirit of God would come upon a prophet, and he would speak and proclaim the Word of God. But here, what Joel says is different. He says, um, you know, a day is coming when I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. What Joel is saying here when he says young, old, male, female, he's saying everybody. God is going to pour out his spirit on everyone. Uh, in verse 29 of, of Joel, is it Joel 1 or is it Joel 2? I can't remember. Anyway, he says this, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So they were waiting for this day, this outcoming, uh, uh, this, this uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this was the day. This was the day. Um, I want to share with you uh, this text. Well, first of all, just let me just share with you three things, three things uh, from this chapter that I think are important to pay attention to. And then let's talk about how this is relevant for us now. Okay, so three things that are important for you to understand as you read through this text. Is first of all, the Holy Spirit came dramatically. He came dramatically. I mean, it was dramatic. You hear this blowing of wind. You see something like fire that separates and tongues of fire coming to rest on each person. Not just selected people, but on each person. And when you look at this and when you read this with a little bit of an understanding of the Old Testament, you know this, that, that in the Old Testament, remember how I talked about the word ruach, the Hebrew word? Sometimes means wind, sometimes means spirit, sometimes means breath. If you go back and you read like Ezekiel 37, you'll read about the vision of dry bones. Does anybody know the story of the vision of dry bones? Anybody? A couple of us? Okay. And, and what happens is that, that the Spirit of God uh, takes Ezekiel in a vision, and he reveals this place to him. And in this valley, there's all these dry bones. And the Spirit tells Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones, to, to breathe. And, and, and what happens is that the bones begin to rattle. They begin to rattle, and they come together. And then they're covered with, uh, you know, like tendons and muscles and, you know, kind of an interesting description. And then they're covered with skin. It's really kind of, I don't know, it feels like a science fiction movie, you know, kind of uh, vision. And, uh, but guess what happens is they're not breathing. So the Spirit of God tells Ezekiel again, prophesy on them uh, to breathe and uh, what Ezekiel says is that something like a wind begins to blow. The four winds of heaven. And that the, the, uh, that the people that were previously not breathing are like animated to life and begin to breathe. And this is a vision of the lifelessness 
of, of Israel uh, apart from God in their disobedience. And it was meant to be a vision picturing a day, a future day of restoration for Israel. But what we see here is that, that throughout the Old Testament, many times this blowing of wind represents the movement of the Spirit. And even Jesus in John chapter 3, he makes a connection between uh, the wind, uh, how the wind works and how the Spirit works. You remember in John chapter 3, Jesus was talking with this guy named Nicodemus. Do you all remember the story of Nicodemus? Religious leader comes to Jesus, uh, and, and Jesus says, you know, you must be born again. And he says a few other things. And he says this. He says, you know, just as the wind blows, and you don't know where it comes from and where it goes, so it is with the Holy Spirit. That the work of the Holy Spirit sometimes is hard to understand. It's kind of hard to understand. Uh, it, it's kind of mysterious. And, and, and uh, uh, some people don't like mystery. Okay, but but we see that that the spirit is sometimes compared to the wind. And and that's what we see here. And and it says that these like tongues of fire came upon their heads. And remember that throughout the Old Testament, fire was one of the symbols of the presence of God. So you remember the story of 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 Moses in the book of Exodus uh, and Moses that he sees the burning bush and the the. The, the Lord speaks to Moses. You remember that story? And, and that, that from the burning bush, the Lord speaks to Moses. And later, God leads the people of Israel out of Egypt with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. And then when they go to Mount Sinai, where God gives them the law, uh, in uh, Exodus chapter 19, well, actually, Exodus 20 is when they get the Ten Commandments. But they're gathered there at Mount Sinai. And, and the Bible talks about that, that, the, that Sinai was covered like with smoke and that there, it was like fire that uh, uh, was on the mountain. And it said that, the, that, that the, the whole mountain quaked with the presence of God. And so what these New Testament Christians are experiencing is they're seeing and they're experiencing something that reminds them of the work of the Spirit that reminds them of the presence of God. And then suddenly, they are given this ability to speak in other languages. So the the first thing I want you to see here is the Holy Spirit came dramatically on the early Christians, filling them and enabling them to speak in other languages. Now, very, very quickly, this is a rabbit trail that's easy to get lost on, so I'm going to try to make it short. I'm going to try to make it easy. Is... Are the tongues we see in Acts chapter 1 the same kind of tongues that we see in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14? Do not answer that question for me until you've read both those chapters really well. Okay? Don't answer that question for me. Make sure you read both those chapters really, really well. And then come back and read this text really, really well. Uh, and, and then let me give you the answer real quick. Are these the same tongues as in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14? I'm going to say the answer is no. Okay, let me explain to you why. Let me explain to you why. When, when these 120, because I believe it's the whole 120 who they have these tongues of fire on them, and I believe it's the whole 120 who are speaking up. Now, later, Peter preaches to everybody. But at, initially, all of them were talking about the mighty acts of God. And they were, God was enabling them with his spirit to speak to them. And 
people clearly understood what they were saying because they were speaking to them in their native languages. When we see tongues described in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, people don't know what's being said. They need someone to interpret for them. So I think what we're seeing is something that's different. So don't confuse those two. Uh, I think both of them are valid acts, works of God. Uh, But what we're seeing here is unique. Understand that this day, the day of Pentecost, is a day unique. Can you say unique? It is a unique day, like the moment of the birth of Jesus. Jesus isn't being born again and again and again and again, okay? It was a unique day. His crucifixion was a unique day. His resurrection was a unique day. Now, all of those unique days have ongoing significance for us, all right? So by saying it's a unique day doesn't mean it doesn't have ongoing significance for us. But Pentecost is the same way. It was a unique day, but it has ongoing significance and importance for us. Hopefully, I will explain that before we're done here. Second thing I want you to see, this is important to understand in the text, is the people who gathered in Jerusalem were bewildered. They were utterly amazed and perplexed, wanting an explanation of what was happening. What the Bible tells us is that there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven who were present there. When they heard the sound of the mighty wind, they came together. They were bewildered. And they were utterly amazed. That's what the Bible says. Uh, it, it, they were, and then later it says that they were perplexed. Um, and it says that the disciples were declaring to them the mighty acts of God in their native languages. And they were amazed and perplexed by all that they were seeing and hearing. Third thing that's important to understand in the text is, um, but there were some people who dismissed what they saw and heard. Now, folks, in every crowd, in every generation, there have always been people who dismiss. There have always been people who dismiss what they cannot understand and what they cannot explain. There have always been people who dismiss what they cannot explain and what they cannot understand. Now, I'm going to tell you something. In every church, there are church people. There are church people who dismiss what they cannot understand and what they cannot explain. The better thing to do, rather than dismissing the work of God, is to embrace mystery. We need to be able to humbly embrace that there are some things we don't fully understand, and that's okay. Like, How is it that God can predestine people for salvation and yet people must also freely choose to believe in Jesus? Now, how do you explain those two things? I don't think you can. I think they're like parallel truths, like, you know, train tracks. You know, train tracks, you know how they run along next to each other? They don't go one this way, one this way, or one this way, one this way. They just run parallel to each other. And you see it throughout Scripture. You know, I, I hear people say, oh, I don't believe in predestination. And it's like, well, you do know that word is used repeatedly in the Bible. So before you say you don't believe in it, at least read your Bible. Because apparently the Bible believes in it. 
Now, we may disagree about how we understand it, but it's there. It's kind of like the Trinity. The Trinity. You know, God is one God. There's one God, one God only. Uh, God has revealed himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, There are three persons, one God. There are not three gods and one God. There are not three persons and one person. There are three persons, one God. And each person is fully God in every way with all, all, all the attributes of God. All, all um, the fullness of God. Uh, These are things that are hard to explain, things that are hard to understand. But we need to be careful that we do not dismiss what we cannot understand and explain. Whenever somebody tries to explain to me something with logic, I'm like, you do understand that your logic is about this big. Your logic is tiny and insignificant in comparison to the wisdom of God. I think we all understand that. I hope we do. Uh, And just because we can't understand something or explain something doesn't make it any less true. Okay, so, so why and how is Pentecost important for us today? This, the day of Pentecost marks the beginning of the church. Okay, it's on this day that the church is born. That Israel was the Old Testament people of God in the Old Testament. The church is the new covenant people of God in the New Testament. Uh, This marks the beginning of the church. This marks, um, and because of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and and, and I'll try to make this quick, fast, and uh, and finish quickly here. uh, Two things you need to understand. We are baptized with the Spirit. I, I should probably change that. I probably should have said, we are all baptized by the Holy Spirit. We are all. So write in there in your notes. Don't just simply say we are baptized with the Spirit. We are all baptized with the Spirit. Now, why do I say we are all baptized with the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible says we are all baptized with the Holy Spirit. That if you are a believer in Jesus, if you have been saved, you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Where do we see that? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Remember that passage we were talking about a moment ago with regards to, to, to the gift of tongues? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, the Bible says, For we were all baptized. We were all baptized. It doesn't say that, you know, some Christians are baptized and others are baptized later. Okay? For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body. That's the church. Remember how I talked about this is the baptism, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the beginning of the church? For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, the church. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, you could go on to say male, female, Republican, Democrat, rich, poor, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentile, slave or free. And we are all given the one spirit to drink. You have been given the Holy Spirit. Whether you know it or not, you've been given the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that there are people who have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, but they have not experienced what I would call the filling of the Spirit. So I believe that in the Scriptures we see one baptism of the Spirit. Okay? There is the initial day, Pentecost, 
And then for each of us, when we're saved, there is that baptism. But uh, I like the way I like the way Max Delicato says this, because someone wants to ask him, have you had the second blessing, meaning the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And he says, I have I've had the second blessing. I've had the third blessing, the fourth blessing, the fifth, the sixth. In fact, every new day, I need a fresh new blessing of the Holy Spirit. That we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day, every day. I need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. To love well, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To to live out the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be witnesses for Jesus and empowered by Him to be witnesses. See, a lot of people are terrified of being witnesses. But that's why we need to be filled with the Spirit. By the way, the more our lives are filled with the Spirit, the less room there is for fear. Did you know that? Did you know that the more our lives are filled with the Spirit, the less room there is for fear? The more our lives are filled with fear, the less room there is for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we, we, we need Him. Okay, so, uh, so we are uh, all baptized with the Spirit. Number two, we are born again and renewed by the Spirit. And don't have time to really develop this as well as I would like. But what the Bible says, um, it says this, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, so God... God is loving. God is kind. That's what grace is really about. It's about the loving kindness of God that we experience through Jesus. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He, God, saved us, not because of the righteous things we have have done. So nobody has been saved because they're, like, really righteous. They're really good people. No one will go to heaven because they are good enough. Because nobody is good enough. We are not saved because we're good enough. Uh, We are saved because God is gracious, merciful, loving, kind. He saved us, the Bible says, He saved us, God saved us, through the washing of rebirth. So we have been spiritually cleansed by the washing of rebirth. We have been born again by the Spirit. By the washing of rebirth and renewal by... The Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. <sighs> Pentecost was a watershed moment in history uh, that will never be duplicated. It's not going to be duplicated. Just like Christmas Day is not going to be duplicated. I mean, uh, uh, Pentecost was a watershed moment uh, in history that will never be duplicated. It was the time when God poured out his spirit on his people. Because of this moment in history, every moment has changed for every Christian. Every person who puts their faith in Jesus and obeys the gospel. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you put your faith, your full faith and hope in him? Um. If you've done that, uh, everything changes. Um, Because at that moment in Pentecost, there is only one baptism of the Holy Spirit for every believer at the moment of salvation. One baptism, many fillings. 
Um, let me just ask that worship team. I don't know how to end this, <laughs> but I'm 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 I am I'm trying to get better. Please, for, I, 37 minutes, folks. Last week it was 52. All right, all right. Let me uh, let me just uh, let me pray for us, okay? Uh, God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. Thank you for um, thank you for the washing uh, of rebirth for cleansing us of our sins uh, through the death and resurrection of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for your part in our being saved, our being uh, washed, our being renewed, our being born again. Uh, thank you for pouring out your spirit on us. Lord, help us to learn daily what it looks like to walk in the fullness of your spirit so that we are living out the fruit of the spirit so that we are being courageous and yet also gentle and kind witnesses for jesus Uh, and so that we are using the gifts that you have given us by your spirit to love and serve one another to love and serve you by loving and serving your church and we pray this in jesus name and for your glory amen Amen. Thank you so much, Gary. Church, let's stand together. You know, as he said, our God is mighty to save. We are not. Nothing we can boast in, no righteousness that we can boast in, no record of religious services and accomplishments that we can offer to the Lord. It's just the work of Jesus on the cross. He is the one who is mighty to save. So let's leave this morning with that truth in our hearts. And that song on our lips. Let's sing. Everyone needs compassion, but that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nation Savior He can move the mountain My God is mighty to save He is mighty to save forever author of salvation He rose and conquered the grave Jesus conquer the grave. Oh, you are mighty to save. Take me, so take me as you find me. All my fears and failures fill my life again. Give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I, now I surrender. Oh, I surrender. You sing, Savior. Savior, He can move the mountain. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Oh, forever, author of salvation, 
He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Yes, He did. And on that note, I want to say thank you very much for being here. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. That's what I'm feeling. Very, very good.